You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame, whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self-mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Starlight Mentoring. Welcome back to another week of the show, guys. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Orit. Did I get your name right there? Yes, you did. And it's Orit. see if I can get your last name. Kruglansky? <laughs> Almost. Kruglansky. <laughs> one and a half out of two. Kruglansky, but it's, Kruglansky. it's okay. <laughs> Is that Russian or Ukrainian? No, it's or? Polish. Polish. It's Polish. When, when it ends okay. with an I, it's Polish. When it ends with a Y, it's uh, Russian. But, uh, but I don't really know anything about it. I'm, uh, I'm actually Israeli. Uh, just my last name is Polish. Cool. <laughs> you're living in Spain. Awesome. I am living in Spain, yes. They, they can't pronounce my name either, so. awesome well orit is a visual educator she helps people of all ages play their way to better eyesight reducing eye strain and the need for glasses and this is what's crazy she got glasses when she was seven and at 38 started improving her vision from a negative 8.5 diopters to her current no glasses life she is the author of I See Clearly, an illustrated Bates Method book for children and adults who secretly buy it for themselves, which has been translated into four languages. And again, she lives in Barcelona. So I've worked as an optician before. Really? <laughs> That's not a small prescription. No, no, but it's a, but it's a medium prescription. I do have uh, I do have uh, students who have 18, 15, 16. Wow. Yeah, people people have uh, you know <laughs> have high diopters. <laughs> well, from where I was working, honestly, that was the mid high tier because the highest I ever saw was either like a negative twelve or negative thirteen. And again, I'm not saying the others don't exist; just what I personally saw in the nine months I worked as an optician. And <laughs> what happened after nine months? <laughs> worked on my own business. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but um, you're you're trained as an optician. Yeah, so where I live in Utah, you don't have to get any licensing or anything. It's just on the job training, oh, and wow. so you know, I got hired on, learned the stuff, pre-screened people, and was like, okay, let's get you into the doctor. And I had one of the tests would give me the estimated diopter rating for each eye and you know seeing each one i'm just like and then the doctor would work with them and give me the actual prescription i'm just like interesting <laughs> and you know or or you can see here and anyone who sees the episode picture can see i'm wearing glasses and you know nothing crazy just like a negative 1.5 
But... <laughs> you, you can toss him right away. <laughs> well, <laughs> after after this episode, you'll be done with No, <laughs> not really. Um... <laughs> well, well, and the interesting thing is, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll just jump into your story and then I'll share the bit that I know a little bit about <laughs> removing glasses from your life after you share your story. Well, let's jump into that and then we'll get going on to the juicy stuff. So, so you you diagnosed at seven with glasses, if you use that terminology, or given glasses at seven, and then what? Well, then then I lived my life with glasses. I was told by you you know the doctors that I should uh, always wear my glasses because if not, um, my uh, my eyesight would get worse, and indeed it did get worse. From I started I think with a one point twenty five diopter negative. Um, and well, <laughs> yeah, and then and it grew and grew and grew and grew with uh, with me. And by the time I was 20 something, it kind of stopped at eight and a half. And then I lived with uh, with eight and a half until uh, I came across the Bates method and realized that uh, that it's reversible. And so I started uh, reversing it. And uh, and here I am. Um, yeah, it's actually it's actually pretty amazing that nobody knows about it, but uh, eyesight um, is 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 a changing thing, like anything in the body, actually, <laughs> like anything right. in you know anything in life, or almost. Um, so um, yeah, it has to do with uh, with uh, changing your seeing habits, uh, with uh, changing the way you use your eyes, and it has to do with taking off the glasses because uh, um, the glasses uh, kind of keep you in a fixed state of tension um, with the diopters that, uh, that you got prescribed. Okay. So actually, um, what Dr. Bates discovered um, was that eyesight is variable and it changes even during like one day, it changes all the time, but glasses don't change. So, uh, <laughs> so, you, right. so you're stuck in a way um, with like your worst prescription with your, your highest diopter and um, it's, it, it uh, makes the eye produce the strain. Uh, so, uh, I mean, um, really, regaining your eyesight is all about relaxing. It's about relaxing the eyes and about relaxing the mind. So, uh, um, the glasses kind of like uh, keep you stuck, uh -huh. and they do they do uh, make eyesight worse. I mean, even even optometrists kind of uh, um, quietly say that it's true, <laughs> very quietly. <laughs> well, well, that reminds me. Um, I just went the other day this week to a running store. And I promise this is related to eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, to get my running gait, G-A-I-T, the distance, the form measured or assessed. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because they did one test with the shoes I was wearing. And then they did another test with just me barefoot. And the mm -hmm. one with me barefoot, I had like perfect form. And then with my shoes, my form was slightly off kilter, slightly, you know, not correct, right? And they're like, okay, so you can do this and this to kind of compensate for your shoes, but your shoes are basically a cast trying to make it comfortable to walk around, but mm -hmm. it's making it so you're walking around badly too. <laughs> and they're like, so here's these zero shoes, which 
this brand and it's um basically as little shoe on the bottom as possible so that it's as close to barefoot as possible while still actually wearing a shoe and i tried those out and they're like yeah your form's great in those and i'm just like looks like i need 120 bucks right now <laughs> but i mean i love the barefoot the barefoot shoes i mean they're they're awesome because really um you know our feet are almost as articulated as our hands so oh, yeah. really just keeping them still all day like the same shape is is kind of not like not i mean the bo the body really likes to be in movement and to change and you know. right and so, that's where uh, you mentioning about the being relaxed and the being under tension I'm like this sounds very familiar with a different part of the body <laughs> with all parts of the body really um i think uh even even western medicine is coming to the conclusion that uh um a lot of things that go wrong with us are because we are living in tension so most of us are really living, living in tension, tension under the guise of comfort um yeah i don't know if under the guise of comfort or progress or ease. um you know ease <laughs> yeah tense ease <laughs> it's not as easy to use my eyes correctly so let's get some no, glasses it really it's, it's that's funny <laughs> that's funny because it actually Perceived. it actually is easy, easier yeah it's like with the shoes i mean it's more comfortable on the padded shoes but really you're doing it better with the with the barefoot shoes right like with the barefoot barefoot so Hmm, it's like, uh, yeah, I guess uh, if you sit all day and you don't make any movement, to get up might seem uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But uh, you lose your flexibility and eventually it will not be good for you. Yep. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's that, that sort of thing it has to do with, uh, with movement and flexibility. But it also has to do with a lot of other things. It has to do with emotions. Um, really, I said it has to do with, uh, with emotions. Um, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, um, defense mechanism, um, for, uh, for people who, um, who need a little, a little more padding to protect them from the world. Right. So, uh, I mean, most adults, like 80% or something like that, um, who, who use glasses, if they think back to when they started, uh, needing the glasses can, can remember that it was a difficult moment for them. And I certainly remember it was a difficult moment for me when, uh, when I got my glasses put on. Um, my parents were having a really nasty divorce, which was, I mean, the best for them. It was, there's like no, no complaints here. Um, they, they, it was a good idea that they divorced, but it was really very difficult uh, emotionally seven. at home. And I was seven. Um, and, and also at school, I was kind of having a rough time, um, didn't get along with, uh, with other people. And I really just, I remember walking around thinking, I wish the world would just take a step back and give me some more space. Hmm. And then my vision slightly blurred. And then my parents, you know, somebody at school noticed that my vision blurred and uh, they took me to the eye doctor and they said, oh, she needs glasses. But really, what is, what this, what is this needs glasses, you know? Um, I can say, okay, she needs to see clearly, but uh, the body doesn't develop all of a sudden a need for glasses. Right. Um, well, and it makes me think of, I don't know, if you, anciently or historically or however you will, before glasses became mainstream, 
they were not available commonly. And sure, you heard of people going blind, but I don't know. I, I, I just like to think back on history whenever stuff like this comes up that's super common now, but it was not common back then. It's like, what would the difference have been? And I, I can tell you. <laughs> I can right. tell you. Wait. <laughs> because um, glasses started, uh, started being very, very uh, much prescribed when school started. So schools like obligatory uh, schooling, which is a system that keeps the children inside, indoors for hours um, with discipline, sitting, not moving around, uh, made people need glasses. And, and it's still the most common place where uh, people who, who have uh, childhood uh, eyesight problems, they'll develop their problems is traditional or like normal schools. Right. So... Um, that's uh, that's that's how it started, but uh, but still, it was just, um, I mean, it was just like a weird thing that happened to scholars or to people who read like tons of hours a day. It was not uh, it was not as common as it is now, and now it's becoming more and more common because our life is more and more stressful, more and more sedentary. We're looking more at screens, spending less time outside, and. Uh, and in general, so you need being less free, you don't need it. You don't need you don't need anything. You need to go outside. <laughs> you don't you don't need to buy more stuff. <laughs> right. You need to. I mean, uh, the the blue blockers are okay, but it's much better to just like block the blue light by turning off your phone a few hours before you go to sleep. <laughs> That's, that solves point, it. At which point the people in the optical industry will rebut by but the largest source of blue light is actually the sun right Please. and the sun is great <laughs> but, the, but the sun is great the sun yeah, gives you the blue light in the morning when you need it to wake up and then it turns into red light the sun, the sun is everything that lives on this planet lives in harmony with the sun and we're no different yeah so uh so if you do wear sunglasses i also recommend you stop <laughs> because because really we don't we don't need protection from the sun uh for our eyes and actually the fact that people wear sunglasses makes them uh more exposed to the sun because they don't notice how strong the sun is uh, if you're not wearing sunglasses yeah yeah through um, your eyes the body perceives how strong the sun is and creates you know all the skin protection and everything you need and also you get out of it you don't stay hours in the sun because you feel that it's not good for you. But if you're wearing sunglasses, you can just stay in the sun all day. So Get wait, burned. did I just catch a truth bomb that you dropped that your body will adjust the entirety of itself to the strength of the sun based off what your eyes are perceiving it to be? Well, yes. I mean, it's 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 normal because if uh, if you're in the sun and your body is aware of that, it produces more of um, the, I don't remember what it's called, the the thing that uh, that uh, makes the skin darker in order to protect the skin. Oh, but keratin? If... Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Whatever that is, <laughs> you, you science folks with the skin can I mean, call that out. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, <laughs> don't quote me on this. Okay, I just said it in public. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, um, the sunglasses um, are really, are really bad because they they make the mechanism uh in the eyes that's made for um letting less light in which is the pupil uh 
um, just stop working. And, and also they have a lot of uh, other negative influences, like uh, we need the sunlight for, for our moods, we need the sunlight for our sleep, we need the sunlight for a lot of things. So if you have a barrier between yourself and the sunlight, um, you're not getting a lot of stuff that you need. And the eyes is the, are the only place that's totally transparent where the sunlight comes in and goes directly to the brain. So, um, yeah. Wow. Sunlight, sunglasses were invented for, for pilots who fly very close to the sun and actually do need to protect themselves from glare because if not, they'll, you know, crash. But then the people who were making the sunglasses were like, and what if it's really cool and everybody buys them? <laughs> this is making me think of a lot of things. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is how you imagined the conversation would go. <laughs> I don't imagine how any conversation will go because otherwise it'll just be completely different anyways. It's <laughs> good. That's good. Although to be fair, I did imagine this conversation going slightly different, but I imagine we'll get there anyways. Um, okay. <laughs> so when I started working at that eyeglass place as an optician, because um, I was working there, I got a free pair of glasses and I could add on all the bells and whistles, right? Right. So I was like, okay, let's do transitions, which for those listening don't know, that's weird. Um, it's clear normally, but when it's exposed to UV light, it will darken. And so you'll basically have sunglasses and regular glasses in one pair of glasses. And so I had those for, oh, wow. Two years, two and a half years, something like that. And it was interesting because um, the spring mechanism on the one hinge broke. And so the entire arm of the glasses just came off. And I'm like, hmm, do I need to repair this or is it time for a new pair of glasses? And I kind of checked in with my intuition. And it's like, no, it's time to let these go. And I'm like, okay. I don't know exactly why, but okay. And, and what I thought it was is so that people could see me more clearly because the type I had was always slightly, not very, but slightly dark because it was the more intense version. Oh, yeah, because because people think they need more protection from the sun. Right, because the other version doesn't darken behind the wheel when you're driving. And so I was like, right. I want to make sure that I'm okay when I'm driving. It's, I mean, I want to make sure that you're okay when you're driving too. If you're driving and you're really driving against the sun and there's a glare, have a pair of sunglasses in your in your car to like put on your eyes. Definitely not. Uh, or if you're going skiing and it's really there's a lot of glare from the snow. Or the third occasion I would use sunglasses is if you change hem hemisphere and you go from somewhere where it's winter to somewhere where it's summer because your eyes didn't have the chance to adapt to the light. Makes so that's sense. where you're you're going to be like oh too much light, but otherwise the the eyes just go with a natural cycle of light. The in the summer they adapt to more light. In the winter they adapt to less light, and you know it's like any other animal. Don't see their you know other animals wearing sunglasses, do you? Right. I'm curious <laughs> if I'm happen to be more tan this summer than last. I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but I'm curious. <laughs> I'm like looking at my arm right now. I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I don't know about the town. <laughs> well, well, I'm kind of, you know, making my own conclusions here based off this limited knowledge that you just shared that the sunglasses block your eyes from signaling your brain to produce this darkening, you know, compound within our bodies. Somewhat, yes. 
Yes. Which tells me that to some extent, if you're wearing sunglasses, you're going to stay that pale stick like I am. No, you're going to burn more easily. No, you're going to burn more easily. Yeah, burn more easily and stay paler because you're not actually getting the tanning chemicals or compounds or whatever they're called. Yeah, I, d I don't know. That's already like, and, yeah, and, taking, taking it a few you know, steps further. We're... we're, we're, we're What's the word? Hypothesizing with that. Yes. At the moment. <laughs> but. I can, um, I can assure you that uh, the sunglasses are going to uh, um, deteriorate your eyes' ability to let in less and more light. You're going to be more light sensitive. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Um, well, people who, who use sunglasses all day long um, are, are more sensitive to light when it comes. I mean, it's not it's normal. Um, and also well, that just makes sense based off of the dark versus the light aspect right. of it. Like it's like you're, if you will, it's like you're wearing rose tinted glasses. And then when you finally take them off, you're like, Whoa, the world is like not all pink. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but there is a mechanism in your eye that's, that's responsible for doing that already. Right. Which is the pupil, right? That gets smaller when there's a lot of light and bigger when there's uh, less light, lets in more light. And so when you have something that's doing it for the pupil, the pupil is just like, okay, whatever, I won't do anything. Yeah, it's just like, you know, your pupil becomes a couch potato. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know about anyone listening, but I don't want my body to be a couch potato, let alone my eyes. And as we're sitting here talking, I'm like, okay, I want to just take my glasses off now, but I'm also like take nervous. Take them off. <laughs> right. What would happen? What would actually happen? You have a one and a half diopter. What is it? Right. Uh, what is it you need to see right now that you can't see? We're talking. Yeah, something. I'm not going to make any like really of me. nasty faces. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I always tell people to use glasses when they need them, and not use glasses the rest of the time. So if you're um, if you need to see something, then put on the glasses by all means. Or if you if you're going to uh, uh, talk to, I don't know, your boss about a raise and you feel you really need to look him in the eye and see every detail, put on the glasses. But, uh, but in other moments, why, why do you need them? Or why you do know, you need maybe to Maybe we like... can include driving until you actually can see better. Um, I mean, I'm not well, sure what your yes, opinion yes on that is. Yes <laughs> and no. Yes and no. Um, People drive better without glasses because the glasses distort the distance and speeds. Um, one of the ways that we estimate uh, where things are is uh, with, uh, with um, what is called the apparent motion. You know that uh, when you go on a train and there's, you see like the trees going backwards, but it's really a train going forward, mm -hmm. right? So that's the apparent motion. It's like the trees are not going backward. The train is moving forward. But mm -hmm. as you move forward, you can also see that motion of everything like when you walk in the street the streets like it looks like it's going backward it's not really going backwards mm -hmm. so that's one of the ways that that our brain estimates distances and so um people who wear glasses if they're like uh, minus eight and a half like somebody i used to know <laughs> like somebody <laughs> i used to be um they they see things as smaller because the glass is like uh is like a minus lens and right. they seem further away. So when uh, the really nearsighted people, when when the car is finally pretty close, they're like, "Oh my God, I didn't think I didn't know it was so close." They don't estimate distance as well. 
So definitely you need the glasses to know where you are if you don't know you, where you are, like to read the signs and stuff. But uh, um, unless you're a very high diopter, you actually drive uh, better without glasses. That not recommending that to anyone. Not recommending that to anyone. It's, this is not what I'm saying. But uh, um, your, your spatial uh, awareness is better without glasses. Glasses give you uh, sharpness, but it, it's not true sharpness. And also, um, you don't see the periphery because, uh, I mean, maybe you don't notice that so much with the one and a half glasses. But uh, for people with higher diopters, when you, when you fall off the lens, like when you're done with the lens, there's like nothing. They don't see anything in their periphery because the, dif the difference is so big. And really, the, the periphery is really important in order to know where you are and also in order to feel safe. Um, we need to, um, unconsciously, we need to know what's in our deep periphery to feel that nothing can like jump on us. And that's why people like, you know, kind of absent-minded, uh, highly nearsighted people uh, kind of walk as if they're slightly confused and they're like, oh, oh, something scared a little right. bit. <laughs> I'm learning all sorts of things now and connecting a bunch of dots. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting and maybe slightly scary thing to some listeners is that I actually legally can drive without glasses. Even though I've had glasses since I was 14, I passed the sight test at the driving place. <laughs> the guy was like, eh, it's good enough. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And <laughs> and you will, you will not get into any more accidents unless you look at your cell phone. And uh, even if you don't see um, the, the exact face and details of a child jumping into the road, you will see the child before you see it with, before you see it with the glasses or mm. as fast because your, your motion awareness is better without the glasses. You drive better, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Try it. I no, bet you're sure you do it. because you've been there. <laughs> um, no, I actually drive a bike, I, like a bicycle. Okay, <laughs> so that's fair. I don't drive that's a fair. car. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I started riding my bicycle with with no glasses when I was like really like eight diopters, and that was uh, I th I think I, I even scared the the teacher who taught me. <laughs> she was like, "You're doing what?" <laughs> to be frankly honest, I feel like a bicycle would be more intimidating than a car. To go from glasses to no glasses. Why? Just people's normal perceived idea of things because it's a lot easier to run into something that you can't see if you're on your bike and again i know we're talking here about seeing better and you do but people's common perceived idea about the thing is that oh if you don't have your glasses on now you can't see right i mean which honestly that one has bugged me for years it's like Oh, I don't have my glasses on. I can't see. I'm like, so you're entirely blind. Your vision has completely left your eyes. <laughs> wow. What glasses yeah. do you have? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so true. I mean, people uh, have this idea that without glasses, they can't see anything. And then when right. they take off the glasses, they don't look because they're like, I can't see anything. And then these people are like, um, I don't know, they can be one diopter, two diopter, and I'm like, of course you see. I have people with 18 diopters walking around with no glasses on and they can see. You can't see. What are you talking about? 
Um, but it's just, um, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, oh, you're, yeah. if you take off the glasses and you say, I can't see anything, then you just don't look. You're just like, oh, I can't see anything. <laughs> and, then, and then those people, I don't know, maybe they do crash into things. I mean, although it's very hard to imagine. I usually say, but do you see colors? Do you see shapes? The only thing you don't see is like the sharp contour of things. Right. Mostly you just see everything. I mean, I remember when I was uh, when I was still wearing glasses, I once um, I don't remember if I broke my glasses or my contact lenses or whatever, somewhere away from my house. And I had to cross a really, really busy street. And I was terrified. I was I thought I was going to die. Basically, I thought, you know, mm, a truck was going to come and come right for me <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I didn't I was like, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. And I was an eight and a half diopter no improvement from there and the truth is i couldn't see the 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 light the green light to cross the street but i could see everybody else crossing and they were not kamikaze you know <laughs> crazy people right. so i could see the cars they were not very sharp cars they were kind of blurry cars but i could see the cars um and but but i remember the experience is totally terrifying and i think i think that's part of it i mean people are so used to seeing with their glasses that they're terrified to take them off. It's not so much about what they will see or what they will not see, but about what they feel. They feel um, defenseless or, you know, and as I said, um, you know, it's, it's like a blurring your vision is a defense mechanism. So when you take those glasses off, you feel totally vulnerable. Well, so. and your glasses are a fence between you and the world. So when you remove them, you are now defenseless. <laughs> You're totally, defenseless. totally. And you feel like that <laughs> anything could harm you, can happen to you. Anyone is stronger than you, which is oof, not the case. But, <laughs> right. but that's that's the I mean, it really moves a lot of a lot of emotions when you take off the glasses. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just here, sitting again, a foot and a half away from my screen, talking with you here. In that moment, and I'm not wearing glasses right now for the listeners. When I made that comment, I took them off um when he invited me um <laughs> you know i'm here just like I, I could feel those emotions coming up but i'm just like it's okay i it, it's gonna be okay it's yeah it's a, it's gonna be okay there's there's no, nothing's going to attack you nothing is going <laughs> but but i mean the feeling is is that something will happen and you won't be able to um you won't be able to control it you won't be able to prevent it that's that's yeah. the that's the feeling yeah. Well, and and, I remember when I was growing up, um, I would, you know, be the kid with a flashlight under the covers. Right. And then when I realized that was too bright, I took a small electronic candle because that was <laughs> dim enough. It wouldn't shine outside the covers. <laughs> and then I was doing that one time without any covers over at my aunt's place when we were visiting. And the room was dark. And, you know, it was still, I don't know, it was maybe seven o'clock, but just that room didn't, have, maybe it was later. Anyways, the point is, I had just an electronic candle with me. You didn't turn the light on. Maybe it was later. And my mom comes in. She's like, hey, stop doing that. You'll ruin your eyesight. <laughs> it's then sunk in a little bit. 
It was like, if I keep doing this, my eyesight's going to go bad. And the other one was, hey, if you sit so close to the screen, when I'd be like six inches away playing a game (laughs) growing up, I was like, hey, stop doing that. You're going to ruin your eyesight. Do, 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 14 years old, ta-da, glasses. (laughs) But did something else happen at 14? That's what I was trying to think when you mentioned that. I'm like, what was happening at 14? And nothing in particular has come up other than my dad was just like really wait no 14 years old not 2014 um those are two different years (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) unless i was born in 2000 which i was not um my dad was like really mad just having gotten frustrated with work and life and everything in a couple like two three years later he quit his job and then started becoming a nice person so there was Which, like certain tension yeah and i'm trying to i'm trying to think if there's anything in particular you know things weren't terrible but they weren't great and i think hmm. that there may have just been enough things compounding i'll have to think on it some more and come up with what it may have been exactly it's, but it's not necessarily something huge i mean people I guess are, true uh, people are kind different of been, and um and people react differently and are sensitive to different things so um a lot of people uh just just going into adolescence and having to face like the social world of uh mm, are you cool are you attractive you know well, that and i was uh, homeschooled so i didn't even go to school and deal with all of that wow lucky you right <laughs> So I didn't even have all that pressure. I think there was still some pressure because everyone else was going through that that I knew. And then Mm. it kind of secondhandedly got to me, but not intensely. Hmm. Well, you know, the the thing is, um, uh, the people, people who wear glasses are usually just a little more sensitive uh, than other people. And so things affect them. Right. So maybe, um, maybe you caught on some of the tension that was going on with your dad or with your friends, and it was just a little too much for you, and you wanted to kind of, you know, have be more in your own space. Yeah, and it doesn't, I think it doesn't have to thing, be something dramatic. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, since I didn't have the chalkboard or whiteboard test, as I've heard it called, where oh, you can't see the whiteboard? Well, we got to check your eyesight now. Oh, yeah, you need glasses. Since I never had that, I think it had honestly been maybe even a few years that arguably I would have needed glasses. And it was just finally at some point that it was like, oh, let's go all have eye appointments. And I was like, oh, you need glasses. Oh, oops. How long has that needed? It? <laughs> well, and you know, so, the thing, the thing yeah. is, if we go back to the idea that uh, eyesight is really changing, is really uh, variable, Right. Um, a lot of people need glasses one day or supposedly need glasses one day and the next they don't when you're when we're talking about really uh, low diopters like uh, uh, half or 0.75 one and a quarter it can be just be a bad day but then right. once you put on the glasses and they stay on the glasses themselves are going to um, make sure that you, you get used to the way of seeing that that goes on with glasses Right. So then you, they just, you just develop the, the wrong seeing habits. So, um, I mean, 
when when kids come to me and they say yeah or their parents say oh uh we found out that he needed glasses the first thing i say is okay make the glasses but do, wear them as little as possible just only wear them when you need to and a lot of times the, the it just the problem disappears the problem just goes away or i don't know if you have um i have this like personal statistic of uh, people who are like um disobedient children and like stepped on the glasses through the glasses or like uh <laughs> lost the glasses and um or ate the prescription or never told their parents and <laughs> most of these people don't either they don't need glasses as they grow up or um they stay with like a very very low diopter like a one one and a half something like that and it's really the 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 you know the good uh the good kids who are like okay put on your glasses and you're like okay i'll put on my glasses um they're the ones that get all the big diopters that's me. raising my hand over here but only slightly <laughs> because somewhere early in my growing up years and it may have been when i was a teenaged guy um i realized that my eyesight didn't have to get worse wow awesome and so I started out when I was 14 at like a minus one, minus 125, like, you know, both eyes, one was one, the other. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I got my most recent pair of glasses earlier this year, it had gone up from my original prescription, like 0.25 and removed the astigmatism. Oh, yeah. Astigmatism is like the really the easiest to remove. <laughs> no, it really is and, and it's interesting because as I was talking to the optician or the optometrist or ophthalmologist, I think he's an optometrist anyways. Um, he says, yeah. And this went directly against what my mom had said for years. Because I asked her, I'm like, hey, mom, why do you need glasses when I was like six? And she's like, well, you see, my eyes are shaped more like a football and your eyes are shaped more like a basketball. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Right, but and the then when I got is, glasses, I'm like, maybe my eyes are shaped more like footballs than you thought. <laughs> right, but the thing is, why are your eyes shaped like a like a football? The eyes are soft; they're like a round, soft ball. Right. What's, what's how do they become like, a, um, f you know, like football? And, they... and that's an American football. She was being an American football, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Otherwise, Spanish one would it's be like, just like checkered black and white spherical <laughs> balls here. <laughs> so the thing is, what, what Dr. Bates says is that it's the tension from the muscles around the eyes that squeezes the eyeball and um, deforms it. Right. And the optometrist told me, he says, your eyes are like a water balloon. Like a water balloon. And what I, shape not, is that? I'm just not sure. <laughs> just the, it's it's malleable. Right. Exactly. Yes. It, you know, and so he was like, yeah, so like maybe one day you're like this and the other day you're like this. And so. Totally. But, give, me, and, give me his phone number. <laughs> and he didn't say it exactly to the point of, yeah, your eyeballs can get like 100% better to like mm. not need glasses because, you know, he's kind of in the business of glasses. And again, he's in the business of eyes, but. It's complicated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you're actually here for my health, or you're here to sell me something? Okay, well, it's uh, a different I'm, topic. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a really nice person, and I kind of believe that they're there for your health, but they just believe that that is the your only health, option. and that the rest is yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. uh, 
I don't think all eye doctors are evil. I think there's some there's some evil people out there, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think they're the eye doctors and the people who check you and the yeah. and the optometrists. I think they just you know they know what they know and they don't right. know what they don't know. So there's nothing they can do about it. They can't. Uh, but but I mean a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, people with experience, um, be they optometrists or opticians or whatever, ophthalmologists. Um, know that eyesight can improve because they've seen it. Right. Uh, I had a I had a friend who had like a, I don't know what a one and a half day after or something like that, and she went to live in the countryside with you know cows and uh, rolling uh, hills and just like this really beautiful place, no stress, and she lost her glasses. And when she came back to the city, she went to the to to make a new pair of glasses. And they told her you don't need glasses. She's like, oh, but I did. And they're like, oh, yeah, that that happens. That happens a lot to people who, you know, change their lifestyle to a more relaxed lifestyle, but just don't tell anyone. <laughs> so so, I mean, if you ha- if you have some experience or, or um, optometrists know that if you come back from vacation, uh, you'll have a lower diopter than if you're in the middle of, you know, exams, for example. Interesting. So they have to know. And the, again, going back to what just happened this year at the eye doctor, he said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, like your eyeballs are kind of like a water balloon. And so the astigmatism has left for now. And you've just gotten this barely just a quarter more in each eye or however it actually was. And he says, and, you know, maybe it'll change back. Maybe it won't. But, you know, it's kind of flexible like that. And um, I was kind of like, okay. And I myself was thinking, well, that means that maybe it can improve entirely. And the reason I've held this thought for so long, and I think this may have been the first place I was introduced to it. Have you ever heard of The Secret by Rhonda Byrne? Yeah, of course. Okay. I, love it. I was wondering if that had anything to do with your journey. But I read... No, I read it a couple of years ago. I mean, okay. it has to do with my journey, but uh, but uh, not, 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 not the beginning of my journey, no. no. Yeah. So I read it, I'm not sure how many years ago, maybe six or five years, something like that. And in it, the author is talking about the secret, the law of attraction, how you can think something and it'll come to you. And as she's in the middle of writing the book, she's like, wait a second. I'm wearing my glasses as I'm writing these notes. What if I didn't have to have glasses? And so she takes them off and starts thinking that my eyesight can be good without glasses or however she's thinking it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I had that thought for years, which is part of the reason that my eyesight stayed the same is because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay where I'm at because that's where my glasses are. And I, I think I was just too scared to actually take them off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because because there's a lot like, of authority. There's a lot of authority in like years. the medical institution. It's very hard to like um, kind of go against that authority and just say, okay, I'm gonna do it some other way. Right. Um, Despite having done that in so many other places in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's still like, hard. Oh, this... It's still hard. Screw that official thought. I'm gonna do a better thought. <laughs> Right, right. But but I think, uh, 
I don't, I don't know. Uh, I have to do I have to do it one thing at a time in a way. I can't like uh, maybe if you would release all your blocks all at once, you could just like I don't know, just like uh, overflow. Soon. But uh, but I feel that most people kind of um, into their way because we we really like our blocks. We really oh, yeah, we're really comfortable. comfortable with them. We lean against our blocks. It's like okay, what if I were all powerful? I could you know not only heal my eyes but uh, just you know do anything i wanted that's like a scary thought well and is it maya angelo that has that one poem that basically says it's not our darkness we're scared of it's our light it, it may be I, her I, maybe somebody else but there's this poem that goes around that some awesome person wrote that it's a lot longer than this but at the end of it it basically summarizes in it's not our darkness it's not our weakness it's not our debilitation that scares us that we're incapable that we're not power that we're powerless it's that we are powerful it's that we are capable it's that we are amazing beings of light that are able to do a lot of things that's what scares us yeah and, I think so. and as i've considered that over the years since i first heard that it, it rings more and more true each time i totally agree <laughs> totally because we are amazing people we're super powerful and we just get comfortable with our blocks get comfortable with our glasses get comfortable with our shoes get comfortable with our tv get comfortable with our how i continue <laughs> yeah just uh gets comfortable with uh with life not giving all we want or not being all we want get comfortable, comfortable with, comfortable with... Get comfortable with weight yeah oh, those are different <laughs> <ones>. <laughs> like oh i could be the guy that's like you know, benching 150 where regularly I could be the guy that's running half marathons regularly. That's scary. How about I be the couch potato guy? Yeah, that's comfortable. <laughs> it's comfortable until you can't do anything. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's kind of a, like a balance, like a balancing act, like not be too much, but not be too little because you don't want to be the person who's losing their eyesight either. Right. That's. I mean, I have uh, I have students who are uh, really struggling with uh, with blindness, and that's scary. That's scary stuff. Oh, yeah. And glasses, you're just like, oh, it's just glasses. It's normal. It's okay. So, um, but but still, I w I always think that these challenges um, are here to teach us something, and uh, that we if we can connect to them and listen to ourselves, then then we grow with them. And if we just ignore them, they grow. <laughs> yeah. And, and we don't. I'm curious what your experience has been with this. Um, have you heard of Louise Hay? Yeah, of course. Do you know her book, Heal Your Body? I haven't actually read anything of hers. Okay, that's fair. So this book, Heal Your Body, is like yay thick and like less than a centimeter. And it's basically a index if you will of various physical ailments that we experience with the emotional reason most the most common emotional reasons why these certain things happen and then certain statements that we can tell ourselves to help address those beliefs keeping us in those emotions and it was interesting because the first time i picked it up you know i was just scrolling through it and then i was like huh, i wonder and i go to my myopia which is mm -hmm. nearsighted glasses use or not yes. anyways nearsightedness and it says fear of the future and i'm just like interesting 
and it rings true that you know, you don't want to see what's out there because it's scary and so you literally change your body to where you can only see what's directly in front of you and then yeah. hyperopia which is farsightedness yeah. i was like well obviously that's fear of the past no it's fear of the present well mm, and, i don't know I'll... you know these are up for debate too but that's her take on it I'm it's a pretty good if, take <laughs> right um i'm curious what your this... perspective on that is well that all these systems um are good and interesting guidelines but they fall short of the richness and complexity of human experience yeah. so um i would say um that yeah both both uh, all eyesight conditions in a way are are a way to avoid being completely in the present so i wouldn't say only hyperopia um has that characteristic and uh definitely myopia has to do with uh with fear with the future it also has to do with control with perfectionism and uh really when you, when you talk to the to the higher diopter people um who have like really high negative um negative uh, um, glasses, then you can really see how, how, they're, how they're living in, in kind of dread, like in a soup of dread. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about it is that uh, by practicing uh, the Bates method and relearning to see, some of the dread goes away. So it's really nice to see um, some of the people who work with me who are just, uh, who just like lost a few big fat layers of dreads in their life right. just from doing this, these like uh, eye practices um, without uh, working on the emotional aspects of it. Um, Can I interrupt here a sec? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the dread because I, as you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that sounds like that's what it was when I got glasses. So I was becoming more aware of the world around me and of how on fire and doomed and terrible everything is oh yeah <laughs> you know from a perspective it is and from another perspective things are going really good and there's a lot of good people uniting together to make the world a better place well, it depends totally. on where you're looking and it was kind of around that age of 11 12 13 14 where i really started to get into that type into of the dread thinking of ah oh. the world's ending the world's ending. Yeah. That's that's interesting because, you know, the world is ending in terms of uh, our, our time here is limited. Each person, you know, but uh, but you can live the entirety of your life just like dreading your death or pain or whatever. Or you can, you know, live the, the moments that make up your life and have a life. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what the world is is uh, ultimately uh, wh what's going to happen with the world. But, uh, but I don't think it's a good use of my time um, unless I'm going to do something about it. Right. So I am doing something about it uh, in, in teaching people how to be less afraid and how to see better. And that's my contribution. And if that's going to stop the end of the world, then fine. And if not, that's also fine. Right. But uh, but I don't I don't 
um, I don't know, during the, during the pandemic, for example, people were like really news obsessed and they were just like drinking up every, um, you know, statistic. And I was like, does, does it really matter? Do, are you doing something about it? Is there anything that you can, that you have the intention of changing? Or are you just, uh, um, you know, wallowing in the, in the misery or just like a, a feeling that you need to be informed in order to be a responsible citizen? But if you're not doing anything about it, how is your being that informed? I mean, it, ultimately for me, it's, it's almost like, um, like pornography, that you're like uh, um, totally obsessed with something that's not happening in your life. Yeah. You know, it's just like a very strong uh, voyeuristic kind of thing. And you're getting like the secondhand emotion because, I mean, um, during the pandemic, a lot of people died of 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 um, of COVID and a lot of people died of other things. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of life. People people get sick and people die. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting for me to see how people got into that. Uh, that's uh, we need to be uh, talking about it all day long and be in the dooms, um, <laughs> you know, mood yeah. and to be we need to be depressed and suffering. And people would be like, oh, how's it going? So I'm I'm fine. Thanks. I'm good. I mean, the pandemic was fine. Um, a lot of very interesting thing happen. Things happen. My family's fine. I thank God. That's it. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. But but people felt like it was um, like antisocial to not be horrified and depressed and um, you know. But I mean, yeah. part of my family thought that. My parents were like, "You're not watching the news." And I was like, yeah. "You're not living your life. <laughs> <laughs> your turn. Uh, well, actually, What's your take now?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll come up with something else. Yeah. Um, so we continue they, this brawl of words <laughs> <laughs> or should we just live yeah i think um living is the better option i would agree that's that's my take on it <laughs> but but i mean of course if you want to live the dread that's okay too it's your choice it's a it's you know it's legitimate i'm i would never tell anyone to not live in dread i think if that's what you choose that's the experience you want to have that's how you feel that you want to, you know, pass your time here. That's that's fine. Which is almost more dissuasive than saying you shouldn't live in dread. <laughs> you want to live in dread, sure. Instead of being like, oh, you shouldn't live in dread because it's a slightly different mentality with both of those. And the one is enabling them to keep fighting to be in dread. And the other is giving them permission to be in dread, which then they're just like, oh, I don't actually want to be here. <laughs> no, but people who live in dread want you to come with them. Oh, yeah. They're like, no, I don't want to be oh, in with dread. Me. I feel awful. Come, come with us. <laughs> so so it's, it's not like uh, I'm not saying anybody should come to joy with me. I'm whoever wants to come to joy. You know, they know where they know where I'm at. They're welcome. But if you don't, that's that's fine. I'm. Uh, but people who live in dread feel that everybody should live in dread and even live in their particular dread. You no, know, if it's like climate change or um, 
the government uh, doing this or that or whatever, you know, whatever your pet peeve is, they feel that everybody should be on that. Or if they're so. like, there's so many venomous and poisonous animals in the world. Well, let me tell you about my top 10. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> was that me when I was younger? Was it? Yeah. I, I wasn't trying to get people <laughs> dreading, at least consciously, but it was the... I, one way you could describe it is a morbid curiosity. <laughs> right. I mm. didn't label it as morbid at the time, but, you know, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it wasn't. It was just mm. one of those things that fascinated me, and maybe that played into the dread levels that led me to get glasses. I'm curious if all the terror and dread in 2020 with associated with everything that happened that year is why I went up a quarter diopter. Maybe yes, maybe no. Well, could be a lot of people um, lost, um, you know, lost some eyesight because of the, the time that we spent in dread, indoors and in front of screens. So these three things like the, the pressure that even if uh, you didn't feel it personally or you were OK with it, it was all around you. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that uh, that a lot of a lot of the time we spent a lot more time inside than than outdoors. And inside is really uh, not a good place for your eyesight. Eyesight likes distance um, and likes change. And uh, home and walls is not very exciting for eyesight. That makes me so. think if I should adjust anything in my dream house schematic to allow more <laughs> distance. <laughs> well, windows. Just yeah. have a lot of windows. There's going to be a lot of windows. And then if you want to adjust something in your workspace, uh, move your computer to somewhere where the window is visible from where you're sitting and move it away from the wall. So you have a 3D distance, not uh, not like a 2D. It's not like the screen on the wall, but have like three dimensional distance. And then you can put like a plant on the left, on the right. So to, by how uh, much, like by eight periphery. inches or by like a couple of feet? Um, yeah, just just a just a little. I mean, eight inches. If it's that's like where a I'm sitting right flat now, white about, wall, there's about is there a, eight is inches there a from the screen to the wall for me right now. <laughs> that's. I mean, I'm not so good with inches. How much would that be in centimeters? Uh, about twenty centimeters, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Could be more. Could be more. That far. No, that's not, that's not far enough. That's not not a very big difference. Um, if you could if you could get like this far and then have some things because because you know part Maybe of part of what uh, yeah 30 or 40 mm, part of the things that are not so good for vision uh, is just like you know looking at the screen and forgetting about it, everything else so if there is no everything else um you ca you're kind of just looking at the screen okay. so um so you just like lose all this periphery really i mean if you want to think uh what what good vision is is what happens when you walk outside. When you walk outside, you're never looking at one thing for more than you know a few seconds. Not even a few seconds, right? Because you're like, oh look a dove, oh look a tree, oh you know look a dog passed, oh you know just like things happening. Well, they ha they don't happen just here. They happen all around you, right? And so it's like different focal distances, a lot more uh, vision um further away you're not like you know well i mean of course unless you're unless you're walking with your cell phone um, <laughs> um so just like uh if you if you want to know 
what what's good for your vision just think about walking outside walking outside is the best thing for your vision unless you're totally lost in your thoughts about how the world is coming to an end <laughs> and then you're but, like if, but if you're there some... outside is the best place to be anyways right depends what depends what your doom scenario is because that Cause way you might you, you might want to be in like a be in nature and <laughs> allow that negativity to seep out into the trees that then will process it properly <laughs> right right but i mean if if you're in that doomsday state maybe you're not into trees more right. into like atomic shelters or <laughs> well i know i was in a really bad mental space earlier this week and i was just like i need to get outside and i went outside we went on a nature walk and it was phenomenal and i came back so refreshed so right, but you it but you have to kind intention. of you have to kind of have that uh, have that idea in you um that that when you're not okay nature will help yeah because most people are like oh I'll just look at my cell phone more time or just like you know mm, have some the cookies. thing that causes a problem will help me get out of it well i know poor cell phone it's not really <laughs> causing the problem I mean, yes, necessarily. Yeah. Honestly, despite as much crap as they get, cell phones are fairly neutral. It just depends on how you well, use it. Yes and no, because uh, social media and all these like notifications and stuff are really like uh, kind of brain snacks. Yeah. So, so, so they do, they're, they're kind of addictive in a sense. But of course, do you know the, do you know the, the thing about the addictions in the rats. How? Rat, rat park. I, I, I think I've heard of this one. So <laughs> you, you tell me after to describe it if it's the one you're thinking of. So rats were given a bunch of different options for drugs, like basically a bunch of laced food and then a bunch of not laced food. And when they just were given like a plain empty box with just laced food and just normal food or maybe it was water anyway water it was water okay that's so it's so water so laced water with drugs and then normal water without drugs if they were just given an empty room they would go to the laced water and kill themselves from drug overdose within a short amount of time but if they were given a way to socialize or a way to um not entertain play play you know a way to play like yeah. a rat jungle gym or however you will mm -hmm. then they were like oh yeah life's worth living let's go get a drink the normal water or whatever went through their tiny rat brains <laughs> well i mean rat, rats are pretty smart but uh right. <laughs> the the thing is the the way that we think about addictions is really connected to like the first rat experiment where there where it was just like one rat the laced water and the non-laced water and the rat was just like bored out of its mind and just uh, overdosed and then years later somebody was like wait but maybe maybe that's not such a good experiment because then people were like okay you know it's drugs you can't you can't help yourself um it's the drugs that cause the addiction right mm -hmm. and then what do you say about you know shopping addiction or <laughs> addiction to gambling but okay and then and then the other guy came and did the rats paradise thing where they were like other rats and they were like uh, jungle gyms and the places to hide and the rats were like uh, 
nah, okay, that was fun, but not going to do it anymore because I'm more interested in other things. And it's, and it's really interesting because it's, it changes the way that we look at, at what's addictive. And finally, what's addictive is us having a void inside us that we need to fill. Yeah. And, there's, and then, then we can just choose what we fill it with. Well, and I heard as well, and I don't remember all the specifics, but the gist of it was soldiers that went over into Vietnam while they were over there got super addicted to alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, pornography, all these other terrible things that, you know, we label as super bad, not good for you when you're addicted to them. And then they came home back to a good situation where they were with family, you know, not all of them, but they were with family, they were with friends and had better situations. And then they just left all that behind in Nam. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they did a little bit when they got back, but then there's like, why would I do this? I've got it so much better here. Yeah, but even uh, if you think about people who go through uh, like an operation and are hospitalized for a while, they get an amount of morphine that uh, that would be would require like rehab for a person taking it for other reasons. And they just go home. Nobody says, oh, no, you're going to have like you're, you're just going to go cold turkey. They just go home to their family. Right. And that's it. Nobody says, oh, you're on this you like really strong. Stop using morphine. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, goodbye. And and nobody there's nobody complains. They're, it's not like they go into some, you know, uh, withdrawal symptoms. They don't. They just go yeah. home very happy to be alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, for the people that are in those family or friend situations that are dealing with some kind of addiction right now it's like, okay well look at what you are lacking are you not being fully open or connected with the people around you how can you change that to be better and more i'm going to use this word intimate you know yeah. it's not sexual it's just intimate like Close. personal one-on-one -on -one or in a small group like how can you be more connected in a positive way. Yeah, but I really think um, these things are a big challenge. I mean, uh, it's easy to give like a recipe, but uh, but people have all sorts of baggage that, uh, it, in a way, it's it's yeah. easy and hard. Um, it's you both. have all the resources at the tip of your fingers. <laughs> Trouble is, books don't build monuments. Books don't build monuments. <laughs> people do. Books don't build lives. People do. And you have to choose into it and actually do the work. Right. But, I'm, but I mean, it's no small challenge. I mean, even with people dealing with, uh, with the addiction to glasses, which is not so, uh, not so extreme and not considered even anything in our society, um sometimes it's it's not easy for them to give up this uh this protection it's i, not I just imagined myself taking my glasses and just breaking them in half right <laughs> and I'm like, but you know mo maybe not so fast not quite yet <laughs> i might still need them <laughs> i might still have some situations where i will need them 
but mm. that's not to say that I will need them forever or for long. No, probably won't. I mean, along so those de- lines, if you so decide. <laughs> right. Along those lines, I'm curious. We've talked about a lot of the steps without detailing about one, two, three, four, five. Um, but, but is there any kind of summary or additional steps that you'd be able to share here for the listeners for how to go from glasses to glasses less and just good vision? Right. Okay. Um, well, the. <clears throat> the thing is, what you need to do is uh, is practice better seeing habits. The first seeing habit, and the most important one, is relaxation. So, uh, if you're more relaxed, you see better. Um, but there are also some techniques for uh, relaxing the eyes that are specific, like covering your eyes with the palms of your hands. It's called palming, and it really helps rest your eyes. Um, for a visual, so that looks like the monkey in the see no evil right but it's not because you have to like cross your fingers over your forehead over your third eye so okay. it's more like it's not like this you know because okay. if you do that okay. you can't breathe kind of do it um more triangular so way for a visual it's not the see no evil monkey <laughs> yeah it's another monkey <laughs> and it, so it's, that's it's the like person. Uh, okay so you're covering your forehead with you're making a triangle Exactly. You're not making a square. You're making a triangle. The palms over your eyes and the fingers overlapping over your forehead. Exactly. And uh, that's palming and that's uh, very relaxing for your eyes. And then um, that's like a passive relaxation. And also there are some, uh, there are some um, practices with the sun <laughs> that we already talked about. about but uh, just like uh, closing your eyes and uh, pointing your eyes, your closed eyes to the sun and letting the sunlight relax your eyes. Just moving your head a little side to side and letting the sun touch uh, your eyelids. Not um, in the hottest summer at 12 noon, but in the morning or in the afternoon. So using common sense. Right. Um, and, and keeping your so, eyes closed because we don't want you getting cataracts or anything. Well, there's stuff to say about that, but okay, uh, okay. eyes closed is okay. I, I'm speaking from a perspective that doesn't know as much as you do with this topic (laughs) yeah no i mean no it's okay if you do it with your eyes closed it's good enough um but you can actually open your eyes if you blink it's not a problem i mean all animals look at the sun it's not it's not deadly (laughs) look don't stare Um, i think is the difference don't look don't stare exactly exactly but that would be good for everything so look don't stare is just like uh that's correct seeing habits Mm, so like Watch this other guy. Oh, 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 I can't see anymore. <laughs> but really nothing happens. It's really, it's not, it doesn't cause cataracts. It's not true. Interesting. Um, I mean, don't spend all day looking at the sun. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm giving all these like uh, wild recommendations <laughs> here. Yeah, um, people are still listening. They're open to them. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> With all the other if stuff it, we've talked about. <laughs> Right. So if people are still listening, just uh, close your eyes and occasionally blink if you want to look at the sun. Nothing will happen. You might have like um, like an after image, but it's not. But after a few minutes, it'll go away. That's not a problem. So uh, those are the two passive relaxations, like uh, resting your eyes. And then um, the thing that you want to do. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes is great. Cool. Um, And then what you want to do is uh, really 
I mean, improving your mindset is not about doing exercise. It's not like going to the gym. It's more uh, about consciousness. Like you have to kind of be aware of how you're looking the whole time. So uh, you don't want to be staring at one thing. You want to be moving your gaze. You want to be moving uh, your eyes around. So what that means is um, the eyes really see a very, very small point. And everything around that point is not what you're looking at. It's kind of like the periphery, the near periphery. So um, uh, you're looking at, you want to look at details and change between one detail to the other uh, rather quickly. So uh, for instance, looking at the screen is like a great opportunity to stare because it's always in the same distance. You can kind of get all of it at once, right? Mm -hmm. But really, if you wanted to do it correctly, you would be looking at something over here, at something over here, at something over here, right? And even reading a book, um, you kind of, we tend to take in the page, but really what you should be doing is um, taking in letter by letter, even parts of letter by letter. So, um, yeah. and are you like take, physically moving your eyes or just moving your focus? What is your focus? So you like, are, so what I mean by that is I'm like looking at you and my eyes are right? pointed at you, but then I change my focus to the water bottle over here or to the lamp over here or to the words on the wall behind or to my phone here or to the mouse over here or to the keyboard. And my eyes have stayed directed at you on the screen, but my focus has changed to the thing. Like your around. attention. Yeah. Right. Um, no, you're, you're actually moving not only your eyes, but also your head. So the eyes okay. always move with so, your head. So, so if you're stuck, like, you know, like the, the Adams family is kind of like, uh, you know, the, that uh, painting on the wall where the, only the eyes moved, that's no good. Really, um, so you need to move you your just, whole head with it. You move with your whole head, um, but not, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, Really, your eyes follow your attention and your head fo follows the eyes. So all you need to do is just like release it, let it go, and it will do it automatically. You don't have to think, okay, I'm moving my head like a robot, right? You just, uh, when you look at something, your head has to be like not stuck. I mean, if you look at something and your head is stuck, you'll notice very quickly that it's uncomfortable. If you look like up, you know, to the corner, you're like, no, this is not good. And then you're like, you move your head. Um, so looking at details with your with your whole body like with your eyes head and eventually with your whole body actually mm -hmm. um and the last thing would be seeing the motion because because when you move from one detail to the to the other you can see how the background shifts right if you look at you can see whatever is behind i mean maybe you have like a kind of boring wall but so you see that i move right so you're not so what you're avoiding what you're trying to get you're avoiding just having your eyes shift and just immediately move to the other focus point and you're no no there's there's no way you can do it quick enough to like not see the movement but but you're, tr because you're it, trying because to allow moves. your eyes to actually see the stuff in between instead of just changing or I mean, you, you're trying to um, be aware of that, of the change. Okay. I mean, the, the change happens because even when you like mm, turn your head around, you will see that it's like the room is moving backwards, like in the train. 
uh-huh. right? So, so, so that happens naturally. Are you trying to not blink during the transition no, or just be natural? Definitely not trying not to blink. Blinking is a very, very important and we're, we're all under blinking. We should be blinking um, like a lot more. Every, every, yeah, every second or two seconds. Should really so be you're saying much staring more. contests aren't great? Staring contests is, uh, I think, uh, one of the things that got me where I, uh, you know, to the eight and a half day after, I was really, I was the best. <laughs> I could stare down anyone. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so, I mean, even if you, if you move like a little bit, you kind of like move in, in place from side to side, you can see that the room is moving in the opposite direction, right? Can you see that? Yeah, that's tripping me out for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's very relaxing. <laughs> it's like... So... Uh... <laughs> We're just oscillating back and forth right now. Moving in our right. chairs, bobbing from side to side. Right. But do you notice, can you notice that the colors are becoming slightly brighter as you do that? That maybe you're like uh, seeing less blurry as you do that. Hmm. Okay, that's... Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so these are really the things you have to like, look at us, look at a small detail um, within the context of the wider periphery and notice the motion of everything when you move from one detail to another. Yeah, oh my God, we've, 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 lost sitting... <laughs> we've lost you. We've lost you. He's gone. <laughs> we'll be back in a half hour. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. That's wow. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> so normally I'm going to describe to the viewers what's happening for me right now. <laughs> normally when I'm sitting in my chair in my office, I've got some words that are written in like size 48 font, maybe 72 font. And they're like four feet away. Yeah, four to three and a half, four feet away from my eyes, about a meter um, away from my eyes up on the wall above me. And then I've got some more like, you know, another foot. So like five feet away over on the other side of the wall and over on the other wall. And as I was just doing that simple motion of just bobbing back and forth, basically keeping, you know, kind of moving my hips, but keeping my butt on the chair, but moving the whole of my body back and forth, kind of like a, um, I'm thinking of those like clowns you can like punch and then they pop right back right. up. <laughs> exactly. But like just moving my upper body like that back and forth between like 15 degrees and 15 degrees. So like 30 degrees total. Hopefully I'm describing this in a way that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> My technical terms. And as I was looking up at the one that says adventure and visionary up at the top, they became clearer than when I'm normally just sitting. And when I, even when I just shifted my focus to the other wall and that's like to my left instead of in front of me. So moving the back and forth, left and right, wasn't really doing that for the other one. And then I look back up at the wall in front of me and it's blurry again. But then right. I do the back and forth 
and it becomes clearer after a few seconds. What? <laughs> exactly. So you just have to like do the back and forth all the time now. <laughs> so, I mean, vision usually comes back in flashes. So um, in the process of making good seeing habits, your normal seeing habits, you're going to get clear flashes um, of just like focusing well. And then you'll be like, oh, my God, I'm seeing, I'm seeing. And then you tense up. You're like, no, I don't want to lose it. And then it's gone. <laughs> so you're saying that if I keep at this, I'm going to be able to see the trees on the mountains without glasses. Yes. I am saying that. Shh. Definitely. Wow. That's a low whistle right there. Because uh, that was the first thing I noticed after I got glasses. I'm like, whoa, there's actually trees on the mountains. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That'll I mean, be a day of celebration when I do that and I'm not wearing glasses and I'm the same distance away. Yeah, you can definitely do it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot just of people to, ask just... me, wait, you got contacts? No. <laughs> I got Two last my things. eyesight back. Exactly. So you want to blink and you want to breathe. One of the things that people who have um, who have an eyesight problem do is <gasps> hold their breath, uh, especially in front of the computer. Um, that's very uh, that, that's very um, apnea apnea inducing. Uh, people hold their breath. So when you mm -hmm. get used to blinking and breathing Comatose constantly, state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not quite, so, but similar. So I think those are those are the the basic things. You palm, you sun, you know, you cover your eyes and and uh, use the sun to rest and to get rid of the tensions that you've accumulated. Then um, you look at details within the wider context of the periphery, and as you move from detail to detail, you notice the movement. So I mean, in the beginning maybe you're going to have to have to do like a big old swing in order to see it, but later just any um any the smallest movement already makes the the everything move just the smallest change in your eyesight even when you're looking at a when you're looking at a letter and you go like you're looking at the letter i and you go from the dot to the to the stick to the eye um already that wow. changes your your entire periphery you can see that motion so those so are the kind steps of, it's kind of becoming more aware again yeah, it is becoming more aware again. It is becoming more aware again. Okay. I appreciate and then, that. you know, some, some people do have to have to do like more emotional work um, before they're able to release their eyes to do these things. Um, and some people don't. It really depends. I'm going to take a wild gander and say you probably can't even judge based off the diopter whether or not you need to do emotional work. No. No, you can't. Because, you know, even someone sitting at a 12 or an 18 may not need emotional work while someone's sitting at a 1.2 may. I mean, well, you're the one experienced with it, but... <laughs> at the 12 or 14, I would probably say they would benefit from it or it would go faster. Because, I mean, just moving your eyes is going to do part of the emotional work where okay. our body and our emotions are connected. There's like a... Uh, there are two doorways to the same place in a way. 
So uh, by, by making your body more flexible, uh, you're opening up to, to emotions and you can do it that way or you can do it just through emotional work even. So um, go through one door, go through the other door, go through both doors. Sounds like it's up to the viewers to decide how they'll do it. Yeah, as long as or you, if they'll as keep long the doors shut, which you know. Yeah, you can t keep the doors shut. I'm totally, totally not. Uh, I don't. I'm not telling anyone they should take off their glasses. Just, I'm just saying that you need to know it. It's possible. Then, you, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's really you just think it's not that itch uh, in the back of your mind. You're like, what if I did? <laughs> right, but you know, you know, I really should do yoga, but I don't. Right. <laughs> So, <laughs> so when some yoga teacher comes and says, you're not flexible enough, you should, I should, but, but no, I'm, you know, busy doing something else with my life. It's okay. It's perfect. Everyone's on their own journey. And I think that's the exactly. beauty of it. Yeah. Is, you know, some person at 14 will have done what somebody else at 69 is just beginning. Right. And somebody at, you know, 20 is doing somebody at 30 is not even ever going to do. Right. But the journeys are so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you when you talk about um, about, uh, you know, dread, a lot of times it's hereditary, hereditary. You get dread from the war your grandparents participated in or the fan that was the great you know, depression or the great depression whatever so i mean it's not it's not even all of it is yours so you know just do just do what you enjoy yeah and the great thing is that those hereditary issues are resolvable some of them aren't some of them aren't i have no idea i i wouldn't it, you know and maybe it's the next generation, your kids, that'll be breaking some of those chains. Maybe we're breaking right. the chains. Like, it's all different journeys. Yeah. I know that I'm a chain breaker, but I don't think I'll be alive long enough to break all the chains that came to me. <laughs> mm, probably not all of them. There's a lot of chains. <laughs> the other cool thing is we do have generational awesomeness come down to us, too. Also, totally, totally. I think that one gets neglected <laughs> too much. Yeah, I know. I know. Hmm. Awesome. I'm really thankful for the generational awesomeness that was passed along to me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I feel like we're about ready to wrap up here, Orit. But thank you so much for being on the show. And anything you'd add before we wrap up and tell people where we can find you? Um. No, I don't know. I, I think I think uh, I think I said everything. I said, awesome. I think I said everything that occurs to me today. <laughs> Muchas gracias. <laughs> De nada, un placer. <laughs> Excellent. Let's throw some Spanish into this episode. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm fluent in Spanish. I imagine you're fluent in Spanish. <laughs> Are you fluent in Spanish? Yeah. Oh, we could have done it in Spanish. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well for people who want to find you where can they find you at so they can learn more about the awesomeness you do with your ojos um can find me at uh icclearly.org that's my website is that i is an eyeball or i is in me ah i is in me okay. i see clearly it's the name of my children's book um yeah and that's that's where you can that's where you can find me i, so I work I, in I spanish clearly... and in english I see clearly.com. 
No, dot org. Dot org. I see clearly dot yeah. org. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know English, what else to Spanish. add. She's got you both. If you if you know Spanish, you can find uh, you can find me at uh, oritojos.com. Um, and that's I mean my Spanish is there's like a really uh, more like a longer longer time big blog with uh, all my my journey my experiences from oh, the nice. beginning more or less uh, uh, from like eight or ten years ago when I started um, so a lot of it is there excellent and that's on yes but uh, but the English is good also <laughs> right well and you know for the English people too you can go to that website as well and use the translate page option right not right. going to be nearly as accurate as reading it in spanish but <laughs> yeah i'll I'd... probably get it across maybe yeah yes, probably. Maybe no. <laughs> probably hopefully hopefully fingers crossed right yeah <laughs> awesome well again thank you so much for being on the show today with me oh, thank you excited for the listeners to be able to rewrite their stars and see clearly and i think that's what leave off with today is just remember you can rewrite your stars and sometimes that looks like seeing more clearly seeing what's around you being more aware physically yeah being more present and knowing that it's not that it's not a destiny that you can't change yeah i think uh, we get too wrapped yeah. up in that don't we yeah yeah yeah, yeah we do <laughs> oh no i've got this health issue i don't ever be solved did you try the other option of it can be right exactly exactly <laughs> all right so thank you very much i had a great time it's yeah. great talking to you and uh yeah um i'd love to hear how your how your process goes if your uh uh how your addic glasses addiction <laughs> goes <laughs> okay. i'll keep you posted great and for the listeners we'll see you guys next week thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today I hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life how you want it to look. Until next time, I'm Benjamin Fincher, helping you to rewrite your stars.